A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. It's Monday, November 14th, and that means it's time for a fresh week of Daily Faceoff Live. Tyler Yaremchuk and Mike McKenna with you. Mike, how's your weekend? Oh, it's beautiful. Lots of hockey, cold air. We saw snow in St. Louis, and it was a lot warmer three days in advance, which is pretty typical of the Midwest. So it yeah. feels like hockey around here. How was your weekend, Tyler? It, it certainly does feel like hockey, and there was a lot to get to. It consumed my entire weekend, Mike. Before we throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, some news and notes from around the NHL. Jake Muzzin is going to be out with what the Leafs are calling a cervical spine injury. His He'll be reevaluated in February, maybe an LTIR option for the Leafs if they wanted to go out and make a move. TJ Brody's been placed on the IR with an oblique injury. And out in Columbus, Patrick Laine is going to miss the next three to four weeks for the basement-dwelling Columbus Blue Jackets, at least in the Eastern Conference, who are already without Zach Wierenski for the remainder of the season as well. So plenty of injury news. We're going to talk a little bit more Leafs later on in the blue paint, but let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start with everything we got in Hall of Fame weekend. And maybe the most notable, or at least the biggest storyline, was the the way the Leafs honored Borea, Borea Salming over uh, over the last couple of days with a few different things, including a pregame video tribute as well. The Leafs legend, the NHL legend, is battling ALS right now, but made the trip out to Toronto. And the what and what we saw was just amazing from his teammate Daryl Sittler holding up his arm so he could wave to the crowd to him dropping the puck for the ceremonial faceoff between Oliver Ekman Larson and William Nylander, two Swedes, to the Toronto Maple Leafs starting six Swedes as well mm -hmm. in their opening lineup for that game on Saturday night. It was amazing. Salming over 1,100 games in the NHL, most of which were with the Toronto Maple Leafs. That was just a great moment all around, Mike. It was. It was really nice to see. And, you know, you think about Borja Salming and somebody that I didn't get to see play live. He was before my time, but you know the direct lineage of what he did. You know, you went from mobile defenseman with, you know, Orr to Salming and then on down through the list of uh, Paul Coffey and Bork. And now what we see with Kale McCarr, like they're all because of what Salming could do with how he could skate, with how he could transition uh, and such an instrumental person in the history of Toronto hockey. And it was really cool to see how the Toronto Maple Leafs responded to it. You know, they came out and they'd lost two straight games. And I feel like they could sense the gravity of that situation uh, of that, of that moment. They win the game and we've seen this across the board, Tyler. I mean, the other night in St. Louis, the blues skate out on the ice. It's their salute to military night. They've got the St. Louis blues, Warriors team on the ice team that I coach near and dear to me. And guess what? St. Louis was on a skid. They hadn't won in seven in a row or eight in a row. They win against San Jose that night, 5-3. Even last night, Claude Giroux going back into Philadelphia where he played his entire career up until last season. They go in. Senators win last night after losing seven in a row with a big performance by Claude Giroux. So I think it just speaks to how you can kind of pick up on the situation and, and just how there's more to it than hockey. And I thought that Sheldon Keefe did a really good job of 
uh, of kind of wrangling all that emotional aspect into what his team needed. Start, starting the Swedish players, giving them, um, giving them a little bit of a moment there in honor of Salming. Great quote we have here at the bottom that they played during that video tribute was sometimes hockey has no country and Salming was referring to the love that the Maple Leafs fans gave him back when he was a player in Sweden was playing Canada in Toronto and he still got a big ovation when he was announced an absolute warrior and uh, the entire hockey world obviously wishing Salming and his family the best as he continues his fight with ALS. It was also fitting as Toronto honored one of the greatest Swedes of all time that this is a hockey hall of fame class that features three prominent Swedish-born players going to the hall. And the Sedin brothers, Daniel Alfredson, you also see Rika Salonen on the women's side getting in. Roberto Luongo, over a 1,000 games played, one of the best goaltenders of all time. And Herb Carnegie, the guy with no stats, the only one with no stats on this board, but perhaps the one who's made the biggest impact off the ice mm -hmm. out of the entire group as well. Let's dig into this Hall of Fame class a little bit here, Mike. Um, I, I mean, it's a really intriguing one for me because you look at the NHL talent, Alfredson, Sedin, Sedin, Luongo, no Stanley Cup rings between the four of them. That's interesting. It is, you know, and, and full disclosure, we're going to stay kind of on topic here with NHL players and what we've seen. And, yeah. um, you know, when you look at Alfredson, how important he was to that Ottawa franchise, he was Mr. Senator, man. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. there's nobody that supplanted him. And, you know, Alfredson's 56th all-time in points, which puts you in the ballpark of being a Hall of Famer. And the Sedin twins, to me, are... Interesting, though, because, you know, they each had a monster season, right? 2009-10, each of them, you split them up. You've got an Art Ross and a Hart Trophy in there, which I guess kind of guarantees you inclusion in the Hall when you look at the rest of the names that have won. I wonder if someone like Jamie Benn ends up in the Hall of Fame. He won the Hart Trophy in 2014-15. Uh, so there's your comparison. But, you know, Sedins were like 1,000 points in 1,300 games. So... It's kind of surprising to me because these are great players and you can argue whether they belong in or not, but we still have players like Alexander Mogilny who's not in. I mean, you could even argue Jeremy Roenick. I mean, he's 45th all-time in scoring, 1,200 plus points, 40, 41st in goals, one of the greatest all-time ever from America. He's not in. So it, it, it's kind of tough for me to judge. I think it's just a lot of eye test on who ends up going into the hall. These are great players. Uh, but the Sedin twins really catch my eye with just their career totals and them getting in. Yeah, and uh, the other thing that I always like to bring up with the no Stanley Cup rings, which I which I mentioned off the top there, is it is the Hockey Hall of Fame, not the NHL Hall of Fame. All those players did mm -hmm. have a ton of success on the international stage as well, specifically a guy like Luongo. And I'd love your take on, yeah. uh, on Bobby Lou as we wrap up this segment as a guy who, again, never got that ultimate prize, never got his name on the Stanley Cup, but still had a tremendous career. Yeah, and he went to a cup final. He came very close to it. Two two Olympic medals, gold medals, uh, and Luongo's third all-time in wins. The longevity of his career matters to me. He was one of the best goalies in the NHL for the better part of two entire decades. Uh, but again, it also kind of sets the bar and makes you wonder why, hey, why isn't Curtis Joseph or Mike Vernon in this when you look at their accolades? So I can never figure out the induction process. I know that in my eyes, Luongo was absolutely a first ballot Hall of Famer based on wins, longevity, uh, and just his sustained level of elite play over time. Yeah, Mike, to, to no one's surprise, Mike wants more goalies in the Hall of Fame, but I agree with you. I you, do. you rattled off a couple of names there. Tom Barrasso is another one who you just kind of look at the numbers and it's like, man, how, how are some of these guys not in yet between the pipes? Yeah. Uh, let's move along to some other big storylines from around the NHL this weekend. The Ottawa Senators and their blue line. That was a story heading into the season. 
and then you have Artem Zub who's out, and then they lose Thomas Shabbat for at least a week with a concussion. We've heard that this is a team. Their GM, Pierre Dorian, has been looking for a defenseman. They've been rumored and connected to Jacob Chikrin a lot, even though he's not currently playing right now for the Coyotes. He's out with an injury. If you were in charge of the Senators here, Mike, you look at this blue line, that's a lot of young, young pieces, especially in the top four with Sanderson and Bernard Docker. Mm. Should the Senators be going out and maybe trying to rush into making a quick deal here? Or is this a situation where maybe it's short-term for Shabbat, so you can just let the kids play and see what you have in some of these young guys? Well, what's interesting is, and you mentioned it, Pierre Dorian has been sniffing around from everything that we've heard. And and I think he should have been. Even going into this year, it wasn't a surprise that the Senators were a little bit thin on the defensive line. They still needed help at the beginning of the year, even when they were healthy. And I mean, now you look at Zaitsev, he cleared waivers, so he's not in the mix here either. I think this is too young of a defense at this stage. And I think more than anything, there's just not enough offense there. Even the young talent, Brandstrom's supposed to be offensive. He's got two points, right? Bernard Docker, he's he hasn't shown the offensive side yet, even at the American League level. And so you're you're pinning all your offensive hopes on Jake Sanderson. Well, it, I can tell you from the goalie position on out, you're not going to get the puck to your forwards if you don't have D that can move it. And that's the the, the, the conundrum um, that Dorian faces here is he's got to try to find a D that can move the puck and be responsible. So Chikrin's not going to be the answer with him on the shelf. And you have to look elsewhere. I mean, I wonder if, you know, Vancouver, maybe there's a team that's going to be looking to move somebody and, you're going to have to find something if you're Pierre Dorian, because I really don't think you can trust this young core to run out there and be able to move pucks. Even Travis Hamonic, he's got three points so far this year. So they need a puck-moving defenseman pretty badly, I think, and the Shabbat injury just adds a little icing on the cake, proving the point that there needs to be something done there. Yeah, and when you look at where they are in the standings, every point, I mean, it's valuable for every team, but the Senators currently sitting last in the Atlantic. Granted, they've played the least games out of anyone in that division, but that's a team with legitimate playoff aspirations this year, mm -hmm. and you would hate to see sort of their chances here, or any chance they have of staying in the race, sunk because their blue line got plagued by injuries and they didn't have the depth to overcome it. There's no doubt that they're interested in adding a D-man. I would just be hesitant to make a panic move right now because we've seen it time and time yeah. again with these mid-season deals, like early early November or even into December, sometimes you're just giving stuff up to try to keep your head afloat and you get the player and it's like, oh, they weren't the solution we thought they were. And now you've wasted a ton of assets on something that, that, that wasn't guaranteed to work. One team that will certainly be looking to add as we inch closer towards the trade deadline. That was crazy. The trade deadline's like three and a half months away, but we need to keep talking about <laughs> this Devils team, Mike. They are absolutely remarkable. Nine wins in a row. They sit atop the Metropolitan Division and are four points clear of second place already. It is amazing. You had the fan base apologizing to Lindy Ruff over the weekend with a sorry Lindy chant. This team is looking legit. Now, heading into the year, it was, okay, are the Devils good enough to make the playoffs? They've answered that question. Now it's okay. What needs to happen here? What do they need to add in order to be a cup contender? Because I think we're getting to that point here with the Devils where they'll be looking to put the right pieces in place heading into the deadline. That'll push them over the top and get them into that group with the Carolinas and the Tampa Bays and the Boston. So the question is, what do they have to add? I think that New Jersey is probably a little bit thin on defense just in terms of depth. I love the top six that they've been rolling out. I think they've done a phenomenal job this season. But if anybody gets hurt on defense, I'm worried about this club in Jersey being able to keep it up. And, you know, I think of even somebody, we just mentioned Ottawa, and this is just kind of the type of player I'm thinking. I think that the Devils could use somebody like a Nick Holden, somebody that could be a five, six, seven defenseman that is just rock steady. You know what you're going to get. 
uh, that doesn't necessarily even has to be in the lineup every night. I think that would really help shore them up and just give them some insurance. But if you're looking to improve this club now and for the future with the Devils, I think they're going to need a little bit of heft and a little bit of grit come playoff time. I don't think Miles Wood can carry it all in his shoulders along with Brendan Smith. So um, I'm not sure who you have to subtract, though, to do that. And that's going to be the hard part for GM Tom Fitzgerald. Does he have to take a player out of the lineup to insert somebody that's going to give a little bit of heaviness, a little bit of toughness, but still be responsible with the puck at the same time? And I think Andre Pilat, when he comes back in two months or so, he's going to be a great self-add. Plays hard. He's got intangibles. I do think they need somebody big up front. Big thing for me that scares me is his goaltending, though. Jonathan Bernier might be back. Vanacek's hurt. Blackwood's hurt. This team could be sunk by goaltending. And if it's going to be Akira Schmid, man, he better carry it and take it off and run because he's played well in the American League, but he's unproven at the NHL level. I just don't know how Tom Fitzgerald can possibly address goaltending in season. There's not much out there or available. Yeah, and, and that's the big thing. They need they just need their guys to stay healthy. Like they probably have the goaltending yeah. to do this thing. Vanacek's legit. Blackwood, I mean, he's got to stay healthy, but that that's the crazy one here is you look at their IR and you go, Man, those guys coming back would be quite the addition. You mentioned Palat. Like, their top nine just looks so loaded right now. And then you think, okay, they're going to add a two-time Stanley Cup champion, a proven clutch playoff guy, and Andre Palat, and he's going to slide into your lineup. That forward group, I have no concerns, but I agree with you. You either need to make sure you're going to have Bernier, Blackwood, and Vanacek healthy for the stretch drive and into the playoffs, or you need to go somehow pull a third goalie out of uh, some yeah. other organization that you think you can potentially trust to play games for you. And I agree on the D-man part as well. If you could get just a big, mean, shut down first kind of D-man for that left side and pair him up with Damon Severson, all of a sudden, I think your defense is looking like one of the better ones in the Eastern Conference. But it's fascinating, Mike, that we're even having this discussion about the Devils, like talking about them adding the, just finishing touches on a roster. It's crazy. Yeah. That's no, great. It's awesome. It's been a long time since we oh, talked yeah. about the Devils like this. And they're actively proving me very, very wrong. I had him in the basement. What a horrible pick. Horrible pick. I'd put, I'll take that uh, right on my shoulders, man. My worst pick of the preseason. Yeah, don't worry. I had the Boston Bruins missing the playoffs in our uh, preseason predictions on Daily Faceoff. So <laughs> I had him as uh, wild card. I mean, I'm right. <laughs> it is not good. Uh, all right, let's move along. Let's continue the goaltending conversation and get into this week's edition of the Blue Paint. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. 
With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We talked about the Leafs and their injury woes on the blue line, Mike. But between the pipes, it's certainly an interesting situation that we're seeing play out here. Matt Murray is cleared to play. Ilya Samsonov is hurt, but now practicing. Eric Schalgren's the only other NHL goalie in the organization. How, how do you see all of this playing out here? I think it's going to be in flux all season long, Tyler. I really do. Because I don't think you can bank on Murray staying healthy. Samsonov's going to be out for at least several more weeks. And we all saw how his knee buckled underneath him. That's a really painful injury for a goaltender and one to come back from. So I'm not sure what he'll even be like when he does. Will there be any hesitancy towards what he has in his game? I don't know. But Samsonov has been really good for this team. 6-2, and 921 for their while there. He was the only Leafs goaltender that could win a game. Okay, like Murray didn't win, Shalgren didn't win. It was just Samsonov. And now Shalgren's picked up a couple wins, but he's been he's just been that much away from being able to really grab it, I think, with the Maple Leafs. And if Shalgren's gonna be your number two, there's real concerns. Now, Frank Valley had a piece out earlier on possible trade targets. And, and I think that that's something the Maple Leafs may have to explore, especially if Murray and Samsonov can't get back to health. But there's just so many question marks here. And for a team that's contending for the Stanley Cup, who's gonna be the guy? It's at this stage of the game, we're looking like Samsonov, but it's early. And we still really have yet to see what Matt Murray can do coming back off an injury in a couple tough years in Ottawa. He was cleared to play Saturday night. He did not. Tomorrow night, Maple Leafs go in against the Pittsburgh Penguins and be pretty interesting dynamic, wouldn't it, Tyler, if we could see Matt Murray go up against his former team that he won two Stanley Cups with. Let's talk about that former team then because the Penguins are on a bit of a slide right now and throughout this losing skid, there's been points where Tristan Jari's had to step aside and it's been Casey DeSmith kind of handling a bit more of a starter's workload. He played back-to-back -back, mm -hmm. or two games in a row at one point. You can see here their numbers since November 1st. What is going on in this Pittsburgh crease? Well, it's interesting because Pittsburgh went on a big slide. They lost seven games in a yeah. row. They were looking for anything. Jeff Carter had to play defense. Okay, so, you know, Mike Sullivan, head coach of Pittsburgh, is looking around. He's going, what can I do here? Well, sticks Casey DeSmith in against Washington, and they go out and win. Then they beat Toronto with DeSmith in again. Now, both these games were with plenty of rest. So this was a conscious decision to go to a different goaltender, and Sullivan just said, we, we made a decision here. That's what we went with was we're going to play Casey. Well. Casey DeSmith's got a career 915 save percentage. That's really strong. Uh, and he's at a 916 this year. He's 2-3-1 this year. He's had four quality starts out of six games. So is he pushing for more action? Yeah, I think so. 
the thing is, though, Tristan Jari's got a higher top end than Casey DeSmith. We've seen it previously. We've seen him play at a 920-plus level on a safe percentage and carry that club. But we didn't know this until recently when Tristan Jari spoke to The Athletic after last night's or Saturday's game against Montreal. He said, I've been dealing with some issues. That's obviously affecting my play. Trying to get back to 100% healthy, do everything I can. So Jari's been playing hurt, and we find this out. And it starts to make a little sense because he's allowed 24 goals in his last five games. He hasn't had a save percentage above 90 during that span. So whatever Jari is battling through, it hasn't been enough to keep him out of the lineup. But I really think until he's back to health, you're going to see DeSmith play and play more often. And I think the Penguins are really hoping that Jari can at least find a couple of consistent efforts to keep him going until his body's back at 100% and he's feeling good in the crease. It's really interesting. Another shining example of why you need at least two guys who can always step in and handle a bit of a workload in today's NHL. On Saturday night down in the American League, Mike, one of the best things, I love this, one of my favorite plays in hockey, Minnesota Wild first-round pick, Jesper Wallstedt, fired one home from the other end. Take us through this goal. Take us through the feeling of finding the back of a net of the net as a net well, binder. I scored the first goal in the history of the North American Hockey League by a goaltender. I did it! Yeah. And it was like my only claim to fame for a long time. I was 17 years old, and I got to tell you, it was the best feeling of my life at that time. And it's still probably like top, oh, I don't know, top two. <laughs> okay? It's like the adrenaline surge that goes through your body when you release this shot, and then you see it land and you know it's going in. I can't describe that. And first off, what an absolutely dumb dump in right at the goaltender with the empty net here. Yeah. Um, but this was Wallstad's first pro win. So he picks up a win. He scores a goal. He makes 37 saves. It's pretty unbelievable. It reminds me of Mike Smith. His first pro win, I believe, was in the ECHL back with the Lexington something or others back in the day. And he had like a win, a shutout, and scored a goal. So congrats, Jesper Wallstad. Um, that's an unbelievable feat. And I can't tell you what that feeling is like. It's the biggest adrenaline rush you could ever imagine. Can we, Alex, can we run that clip one more time? Because I want, I want to show you this fan at the end. Jesper Wallstead literally sending the crowd home. I just love this guy we see here who it goes in and he is out. He is out of that building so fast. Bang, Go see on. ya. See you later. Yeah, turns, I'm gone. <laughs> Yeah, and Wallstad did do the flyby. Went by the bench, got high fives Beautiful. from everybody. Love the Selly. Yep. Love it. That's great stuff. A fantastic way to wrap up this week's edition of the Blue Paint, delivered by our friends at DoorDash, where you can use the promo code GAMEDAY25 to get yourself 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app. Thanks, Mike. Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. We recently saw the official announcement that recently retired NHL defenseman P.K. Subban is joining ESPN as an analyst for this NHL season. He has been the guy for basically a decade, Mike, who is like, oh, as soon as his career is done, he is stepping into the broadcast booth. He is mm -hmm. going to do media. So my question is, who's the next guy in the NHL right now that you look at and go, they are primed for a great media role when they step off the ice. Well, there's a few. I mean, everybody thought Keith Yandel would be the first guy to go do it. Well, here's the thing, man. A lot of the players you think of, they made a lot of money, Tyler. They don't need to do this. And then they find out broadcasting's hard work. And then they really don't want to do it. 
So I, I'd go with somebody like, uh, let's go to Dylan DeMello of the Winnipeg Jets. He's done a few things on camera before and held his microphone. He's funny as hell. He's really intelligent. He's got a great mustache. Uh, he's somebody I would pick who would still need a job after he's done playing and could do it very well. That's an interesting pick. I went the other way. I went the superstar route, kind of on the PK Subban line. But we were we were laughing last week at Brad Marchand's interview with Andrew Raycroft on the bench, and that got me thinking. I was like, Brad Marchand would be a guy who he's great on Twitter, not afraid to speak his mind, clearly comfortable putting his opinion out there as well. I think Brad Marchand might be the next kind of superstar level player that would take the plunge in the media and probably be really damn good at it. I agree. He'd be awesome. Let's hope we can retain him. He's going to need a big salary to do it. Yeah, let's. Uh, hey, Brad, if you're, if you're watching, Daily Faceoff has a spot for you uh, when the time comes to hang up the skates. Uh, let's move along to our Daily Bet segment brought to you by our friends at Points Bet Canada. Tough Friday for me. Bounce back on Sunday with the two plays I had up on my Twitter. So let's see if we can keep the momentum rolling here tonight with a couple of player props, starting with... The one you see on your screen there, Sebastian Ajo, over half an assist. He's got 10 assists in 15 games this year. The Canes are taking on the Blackhawks, so I think they should be able to generate plenty of offense in this hockey game. And you're giving me plus 110 on their number one center, the guy who kind of runs their power play as well. I like Sebastian Ajo to grab an apple at plus 110. I also like Martin Natchez to uh, hit his shot prop once again. Now, usually I like to take guys who are already on heaters in the shot prop category. Natchez is kind of the reverse of that. He was red hot for a while. This guy hit it in 10 of 15 games this year. He hit it in six straight. Then he missed in back-to-back -back games. I like him to get back in the shot column tonight and go over two and a half. And also just a quick one before we wrap up, Trevor Moore of the LA Kings. His line is down at minus 110, set it over two and a half. I love taking the over on that one as well. He's missed in back-to-back -back games, but he's also hit in 11 of 15 this year. So Moore and Natchez to go over two and a half shots. Ajo to grab an assist, all courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. And with that, Mike, we wrap up the show with a little garbage time. What do you got? Well, sure enough, I'm watching and we've got something with a goalie. Uh, who would have ever guessed? But Mika Zibanejad made contact and received a penalty for goalie interference for running into Connor Ingram. Okay. And here's the thing. Zibanejad, I don't think, was altering his path at all on this. He's skating right at Ingram. Ingram gets hit in the head. And I get people blowing up my Twitter saying, Connor Ingram is acting. He's faking it. Look at this. Look at this. And I'm like, have you ever in your life, by the way, this is in slow-mo. So have you ever in your life been on your knees on the ice and been hit by a 200 pound object moving at 20 miles an hour? Anybody out there? Hey, guess what? I have. And I can tell you when Zabanajad hits Ingram, which by the way, I don't think Zabanajad did anything wrong here. This is just an unfortunate collision. Ingram slides into him. This hurts. You've got a helmet on your head. It gets your head in motion. It hurts your neck. Like, this isn't Ingram going, I'm going to draw a penalty here. This is Ingram going, my head and my neck hurts. And I'm also surprised they let him finish the game. That's not for me to yeah. decide. The bottom line here, man, people call this all the time. They think people are faking it or milking it or trying to get a call. That's a joke. Go stand on the ice and let somebody plow into you at that speed, like he was in that position, and you'll learn very quickly that he's not acting. Love it. Fantastic stuff, as always, Mike. That's a wrap on another edition of the Daily Faceoff Show with some tremendous insights from Mr. McKenna and me. Well, maybe acting like I know what I'm talking about. Don't we'll be sell back yourself tomorrow. Short.
It's going to be the Uremchuk and McKenna show for another couple days here. So we hope you tune in live again tomorrow at noon Eastern. Enjoy your Monday, hockey fans. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.